and welcome to the BPL Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Laser, here with a couple of very special guests today, Hope Madden and George Wolf, a.k.a. Mad Wolf. Um, they are two local film critics who run the website madwolf.com and host two podcasts, Fright Club and The Screening Room. So we're very happy to have them today. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you very much for the yeah, invite. Thank you. So um, how about we start with just talking about your backgrounds, um, you know, where you went to school and your career paths? Yeah, I went to, well, we both did. We both went to Ohio State. Uh, and uh, that's when I moved to Columbus and then just stayed. Uh, I, I was in publishing for a long time. I edited college textbooks. And then in 2000, I started writing for the other paper and uh, was there uh, a film critic for them for years and when they went under um, we started our website and then I also we also moved to Columbus Underground so we also review films for Columbus Underground. Okay very cool. Yeah I'm uh, originally from Cambridge Ohio I moved here to go to Ohio State graduated in 1989 and since 1991 I've been in Columbus Radio uh, for the last seven years I've worked at the Columbus Radio Group Sunday 95, Rewind 103.5, QFM 96, and Mix 107.9. And then about 2005, I think, I started, I joined Hope as a movie critic for the other paper. And then, as she said, we uh, moved it online, and uh, we're both members of the Columbus Film Critics Association. Uh, so we try to review as many of the new releases, regardless of genre, even though our specialty is horror, mm-hmm. uh, as we can. We kept track, actually, in 2017, we saw a total of 352 movies uh, in the oh, calendar wow. year of 2017, <laughs> wow. so it nice. keeps us busy. So we can talk yeah. about movies. We can't talk about TV. Yeah. We don't watch TV. <laughs> we would like to. We really would. Because yeah. we hear there are many time. great shows, uh, but we wouldn't know about those. But yeah. movies, we're all about it. So, uh, yeah, we're, it's, a, it's, it's a great uh, scene, a great community here uh, for film, for creative uh, people, uh, for movies. So we're you know, glad to be a part of it, a small part of it. Yeah, Absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit about your two podcasts that you run? Well, the, the, the one, uh, the screening room, is every week. Uh, we usually tape it on either Thursday night, usually Friday, and we focus on all the new releases that we can that are, that are coming out in wide release um, or even in, 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 in smaller and limited release here in Columbus uh, in the movie theaters, uh, give reviews of those, spoiler-free, as always. We never want to spoil anything. Yeah. And then we also focus on what's new on home video. So if you need to make some choices at the red box or whatever, we focus on those. And then Fright Club is twice a month, and uh, one of those we tape live at the Gateway Film Center, the second Wednesday of every month, and it's tied to a film series also called Fright Club. And, the, and then the second one we record in the studio. And, it, and um, it is, um, it's a horror-centric podcast, and we'll take a topic, um, best feminist horror films, for example, and we'll talk about the five best feminist horror films or the five best Satans on screen or whatever it mm-hmm. is. And then in the live event, then we show one of the five movies that we talk about. Okay, very cool. And for our listeners, if they're interested, are those pretty much available wherever podcasts are available or yes, a particular platform? Mm-hmm. Yeah, either, either one of those you can find uh, pretty easily, I think. And uh, they've just been added to, I think Fright Club also just been added to Spotify. Yep. So oh, very cool. Yeah. Expanding the reach. That's right. <laughs> cool, very cool. So what would you say is your favorite horror film of 2018? Well, of 2018? Um, I would say Hereditary. Um, I loved it. It's a little bit polarizing. I've heard a lot of different opinions. It, it does. It is getting a lot of praise, but there are also people that don't think it's quite 
uh, scary enough. Uh, it's one of those movies that um, if it doesn't tap into what personally scares you, and that can be very personal, you know, mm-hmm. just like somebody doesn't think a joke is funny. You can't really tell them they're wrong if it's not funny to you. So if it's not scary to you, it's not really that you're wrong. It just doesn't tap into something. But um, I think this movie does two things really well. It, it, it is a traditional horror film and that it gives you horror elements, especially at the end. But I think if you look back, it can work as a non-horror film entirely. It can work as a, as a statement on just the kind of dysfunction that family members can pass on to each other, regardless of a horror story. So I think it does both very well. Plus, it's got some incredibly shocking moments, some very visually compelling moments. And it's just, it's fascinating from start to finish. I thought it was just really, really effective. Yeah, and incredibly well acted. Yes. And a lot to unpack. Like mm-hmm. a movie you could just watch again and again and, and, and unpack. Yeah, I loved Hereditary. I also really loved Mandy, uh, is uh, a, uh, uh, an indie horror film that came out this year with Nicolas Cage. And it's just, you know, it's especially as often as we see films on horror films in particular, it's hard to watch one and think, oh, that's unique. Like, I have not yeah. seen anything <laughs> like this before. And that's what you get from Mandy. You've not seen anything like it before. And, and it's funny, um, you know, George has said this before, uh, Nicolas Cage, when he's, when he's full-on, full-bore Nicolas Cage, just unhinged madness. Mm-hmm. That's always fun in a movie. But the film Mandy itself is even bigger and weirder than Nicolas Cage. It's like his, as crazy as he can get, you're like, oh, that totally fits this. It's exactly, he's not out of character in any way here. So it's fun. Um, and, and it's a movie that maybe it's very surreal, um, very dreamlike. It, it may leave some people scratching their heads, but I will say if you do see it, it's one that you want to sit through to the end of the credits because while there isn't a full scene, you know, a lot of movies today have a scene at the end. We call, them a, call it a stinger. Uh, it's not a full scene, but it gives you something, a little something that may help you figure out what was going on. <laughs> okay, good. Good to know. Yeah, I haven't caught that one yet, but I've essentially heard the same things where, yeah, yeah it's somehow even weird by Nicolas Cage yes. standards. That's, so. that's, that's saying something. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah. with Hereditary, um, yeah, I almost, to what you mentioned, George, um, as far as, you know, unpacking the first half of the film and the family dysfunction and whatnot, I, I, I think I enjoyed the first half of the film or, or so a little better mm-hmm. um, than, I don't want to spoil anything towards the end, but it does take more of a, supernatural turn yeah um and you know that felt a little bit like okay i i see where this is going now and uh, but the the other the emotional aspects of it i thought resonated very well well i I think as hope has pointed out i think there's a lot to be gained right at the beginning when the camera goes inside that miniature house Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think that can tell you a lot and and things are happening it goes inside and settles on a room and then things start happening and of course the mom is a miniature artist Mm -hmm. with with the miniature uh figurines i think that says a lot about where the filmmaker was going yeah and this might be a superficial comparison but the first thing i thought of was synecdoche new york and Mm -hmm. how the miniatures play into that Mm -hmm. um, story and whatnot yeah um, so, so yeah, and, and one story I have to tell whenever I talk about Hereditary is, uh, so when I went to the theaters to see it, um, I went to Marcus Theaters. They're a sponsor of our screening room podcast. Oh, so. perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I get a shout Dream out. lounge well, recliners. <laughs> well, I'm about to tell a story that doesn't reflect well on one of their employees, oh, but okay. <laughs> it's a disclaimer. But, um, so I went with my girlfriend um, to see Hereditary. I think it was maybe opening weekend or very soon after. There was 
so much word of mouth and, yeah. and buzz and, and whatnot going on. So we're like, we got to see this. Um, and my girlfriend's a f- uh, horror film buff, and I'm certainly interested in it as well, and I play a lot of horror video games. And uh, so we went to buy the tickets, and the, the, um, the guy at the counter was sort of like, give us an up-down, like, okay, do, do you know what you're seeing? <laughs> and we say, oh, hereditary, yeah. It, he's like, yeah, but do you really know what, what you're going to watch? <laughs> and I'm like, well, we heard it's really scary, but I, we still want to get the tickets. And, and he's like, well, are you familiar with extreme cinema? Oh, and no. we're like, I, I don't think so. And he's like, well, it's closer to that than any sort of mainstream horror release. No, it's and not. No, it's which, not. Yeah, it's not right, we saw it, and we kept waiting for some horrific thing yeah. to happen. No. And, no. I mean, it certainly has some gruesome moments, but... No, that's, yeah. that's totally ridiculous. Yeah, it's <laughs> funny. One of the things that we... Uh, uh, my, my favorite subgenre of horror is French extreme from, like, the first decade of the 2000s. Um, and then also, we, we did an entire series at Gateway years ago, Asia Extreme. I'm, I'm here. There's nothing. There's nothing in hereditary yeah, right. that comes within 30 miles of, that, of extreme if horror. If that person yeah. thinks hereditary is extreme cinema, I, I've got some things to show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, we kept waiting. Almost, it kind of. I don't. I'm not gonna say it ruined the film, but it did sort of color our perception of it yeah. because we kept waiting for some, you know, yeah. something in that vein to yeah. happen. No, and it never did. You know, um, there is that one very shocking moment early on that I don't mm-hmm. think anybody expected. I wouldn't call it extreme cinema, no. but it certainly right. was a jump and a very well, effective one. You know, it's funny because one of the things that George and I sometimes talk about is uh, the backlash to art house horror, right? And and Hereditary is one. Mm-hmm. So it's not really a mainstream film. Uh, it's 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 an art house horror movies, and there are a lot of times they do get a lot of backlash from your regular mainstream horror. So you know something like The Witch or It Comes at Night or. Mm-hmm. Um, even it follows, it follows to a certain extent. Babadook, yeah. Babadook. Uh, oh, yeah. you know, and and I think that Hereditary fits more into that, which is really less traditional horror film, and really more, yeah, like a, like an indie kind of gem. Yeah, it's. I think art house horror too can be an unfortunate term sometimes, uh, because I think the two can can and should coexist. But in the last mm-hmm. few years, which I think have have been a great time for horror oh movies, my God, a great yes. time. Mm-hmm. There's been a little bit of a divide between the people that like these more. I don't know what you'd call them, psychological horror with people that just like the out-and-out boo kind of mm-hmm. things. And I think there, there's room for everybody, um, I you think. Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it's interesting. It is really an incredible time right now for horror movies because not only do you have these great indies like Hereditary, but some huge, massive blockbusters like mm-hmm. A Quiet Place, It. Uh, um, the Conjuring. Um, Split. Uh, get out. Get out. Oh, yeah. Huge Absolutely. money you makers know? Yeah. that then in turn tell the studio there's money here. Yes. Yeah. Make a decent, you know, give, you know, an interesting story and a good director some money mm-hmm. so that they can make a great movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of Get Out? Oh, we loved Get Out. Absolutely loved it. We loved it so much. It's, it's a movie that I was so glad it got... Best the, screenplay. The, the, one, you know, the, the Oscar that it, it did. I, I thought I would not have been opposed to it getting more. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so well constructed, even more so when I watch it again now. I mean, I loved it at at first, but since then, deconstructing it a little bit, get inside it a little bit, what Jordan Peele was able to do with that, not only as a horror movie, but as a piece of social commentary, yeah. is just flat-out brilliant. It's just flat-out brilliant. I don't think there's that's the best word to describe it, just brilliant. Mm-hmm. And you can tell he 
is and was a horror fan. That's evident right from the opening scene, which is straight off of Halloween. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's a carpenter opener right there. But such a great twist on the type of final girl type of scenario. Um, it's, it's brilliant from start to finish what, he, what he's able to do, and it's worth repeated viewings to just look at all the little things you might have missed the first time. Because in, in any era, in any generation, the horror films that really rise to the top and, and remain memorable uh, are the ones that are the best able to articulate social anxiety of that time. Mm-hmm. And I think that I can't remember the last time a film was able to do that as beautifully as Get Out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I, I loved it as well. I think yeah. you hit on all the points that I would have said. Yeah, um, and it, which is it, so gratifying to see it make so much money. Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, when those two, when yeah. art and commerce can come together like that, is sometimes it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and you mentioned a quiet place as well, which I'm so glad I saw that one in theaters because that was yes. an experience. And thankfully, I had a we had a good crowd. It wasn't. Yeah. Everyone was very quiet. I was. Yeah. I was a little apprehensive <laughs> about seeing in theaters. Like, oh, someone's going to crunch on, you know, some candy or whatever. You can tell this. when they did, they felt bad. They'd be like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm so I've got to not crunch right now. Yeah, that's another one that is funny. We're we're on we're involved with the, the horror community here. Obviously, a lot of chat rooms and groups and things like that. And it's funny, as popular as that movie was, there's a real strong undercurrent of of people that don't like it at all and don't figure out what the big deal is. So much so that we, every now and then, we write a little blog on our website called, like, it's Mad Wolf Court, where the case against <laughs> the case for. And we had to just write one and say, here's the case for A Quiet Place. Here's the, the criticisms we've heard, and, and this is why we don't think they're valid. Um, because it was really weird to watch people just really have problems with this movie <laughs> that we didn't think were... were legitimate no. it's it's a crowd pleaser yeah. you know if you want the payoff it gives you the monster um you know and it's it's directed well i mean who knew john krasinski was such a good director mm-hmm. uh the, the acting is well it's solid it's sad and it, it gives you a, a payoff a resolution and it's just an, a, a popcorn movie although munch it quietly yeah um <laughs> yeah, right, and right. one to see in the in the theater that just gives you uh, the, the the whole experience but i also mm-hmm. think it's one to, to get it home so you can control how quiet everyone is. <laughs> that's true. That's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I, I appreciated, um, you know, just comparing that to something like Hereditary, mm-hmm. how tightly edited it was and well-paced. I mean, I think it was maybe an hour and a half. And yeah. I yeah. remember leaving the theater thinking if that had been 10, 15 minutes longer, I would have just been annoyed because <laughs> it was so tense Yeah, that you could only sustain that for so long. Yeah, It's true. It, and it is, it is funny, uh, the concept, the conceit that everybody has to be quiet, you know, just like them, like your shoulders tense up. You're constantly like yeah. walking on eggshells. Don't make a noise, you know? And it's funny how much that affects, I mean, you're just physically tense watching the movie, which makes every little burst that much more shocking and startling to you. Yeah. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's funny. It's a movie that I think the the premise of it sets some sort of it reminded me of it follows in a way that for some segments of the audience right away it it put them in a defensive mode like they wanted to deconstruct why that didn't make sense. Like it follows they wanted to immediately uh, figure out a way, oh this is how you could beat it, you know, and mm-hmm. and just start from a defensive angle instead of just enjoying it. And so much uh debate in in uh The Quiet Place came over the nail, the nail scene. Um, and I'm not going to spoil it if you haven't seen it, but how you feel about the nail scene um, can go a long way. I mean, basically, if you read the, the uh, filmmakers, kind of just said they put it there to mess with you. 
and they did that. <laughs> so um, if you can accept the nail scene, I think you'll you'll love that movie. So was that sort of the chief complaint? Was the sort of logistics of the whole thing? Yeah, or? A lot of it was. Yeah, they didn't believe that. Well, I remember the one that drove me the most crazy. If you can, if you can go to the waterfall and scream, then just build your house at the waterfall. And I thought. You know, it, it strikes me I've never done it. I bet building a house is hard, especially <laughs> yeah. when you can't turn your truck on to drive any of your tools over there. You're going to, what, carry it plank by plank down right. to the waterfall and leave your small children and pregnant wife back in the other place by themselves while you build a house. It just strikes me as a, a silly. And then the other thing people complain about is that she's pregnant. You're like, well, you would, you know, when has that ever happened? Yeah, the people just, we just are, we're going to stop now because, you know, these people, are, that's, that's a crazy right. complaint. Right. It, it, it really is. It, it's like uh, years ago, I, I forget, somebody that we knew made a, a comment about there was a time travel movie out. And somebody said, well, that's not how time travel would work. Like, <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> so that the people that know exactly how everybody would respond when the giant ear monsters come <laughs> is a little bit, okay. But you know, just, just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. We, thought it was, we thought it was so um, just overall a real mainstream crowd pleaser. Yeah. But scary. Yeah. It's still scary. scary. Intense. Absolutely. It has to be a real bummer to just sort of operate like that on a day-to-day basis. Just like, that's ah, not what would happen. I'm not going to enjoy this because yeah. I have it all figured out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, was there anything recently, any, any film that went under the radar that you felt like deserved more attention? Well, there was one, um, talk about maybe a little bit extreme. There was one called Revenge that just came from this year. And is it French? It is. Um, and it is, it's a movie that is extremely bloody. Extremely bloody. And it's also very, I mean, there's at least a half an hour that goes by without any dialogue at all. But it's a revenge movie, and revenge is taken, and it's uh, told from a, a female perspective. And uh, as, as Hope has pointed out, tables get turned from when a female uh, is the victim and is um, turned into the, the uh, power in the in the movie, it's an interesting movie. It's uh, it directed by uh, Claire Fargeet, and it was fascinating to watch um, a female tell the story. Uh, the uh, rape revenge fantasy is is pretty common in horror, and a lot of times um, it's either I think there's an attempt to make it a feminist film, but I mean to have a female write and direct it, you have a much better opportunity at that. But what's interesting is she's an incredible visual storyteller. And you just start out by the film, the camera definitely objectifies this character. And then eventually she just recalls the same imagery as everything, as the tables turn. It's a fascinating movie. It's really well visually told. And it is so bloody. It's so bloody. And and another one, if you're a a Nicolas Cage fan, um, Mom and Dad uh, (laughs) flew under the radar, which is, I guess you could call it a a horror comedy. Yeah, it is. But it's (laughs) a a time where um, parents have an uncontrollable urge to kill their children. It's like a 24-hour period, and every parent on Earth just is driven to kill their and children. And I know that sounds very, very dark, but they, they, the way they go about it is, is almost a parody and satire. It is. It's, uh, again, Nicolas Cage being very unhinged, but Selma Blair plays his wife, and what is so great is there's, there's like such a married couple. He'll just be flailing about, and she'll just be like, 
focus, right? We have something to take care of. And it's just so funny. Yeah. The kids are like huddled in the basement trying to get a, it's hysterical. So very, and very dark, dark, very dark comedy. But if that's your thing, you might want to check out mom and dad. <laughs> All right, good. I've got two movies to see now. Right, yeah. Um, I, you, um, hope you mentioned, uh, you know, feminism and horror. I, I recently, um, recorded a podcast with a, a professor at Kenyon college who, um, studies how race and gender and things like that are represented in American horror. And, and so um, sh- we were talking about how the witch was yeah. initially sort of lauded as this feminist horror triumph. Um, and her take on it basically was that she saw it and, and did not see that at all, essentially because, um, you know, that there's definitely spoils here, but the, the character that becomes the witch in the end, like basically she had to cho- choose between two forms of oppression. Either you're serving, you know, this very puritanical, you're serving father, capital F, God, or you're serving Satan. Um, and I guess there's some agency and you choose those two things, but she never really was her own person. It was, you know, just choosing between these two oppressive forces. Do you I have any it, thoughts on that? Or? Yes. I think it's interesting to consider that from a feminist point of view, but I don't think that... Um, feminism has a tremendous, uh, I think feminism takes a back seat in this film to the whole film is about radicalization. That's what's it's just a metaphor for radicalization and how you, you can be in a system that oppresses you and continues to tell you that's what it's supposed to be. And then until you find, and, and, in, and, and in her case, she really doesn't have any other options. And so she decides no, I'm going to just do what's the worst possible thing. So that's really, for me, what the whole film was a metaphor for. But one of the reasons I think as a horror film it works really, really well is because there's a point in that movie when you're saying, God, I hope that goat talks back to her, right? Which is like the last thing you should want. It's the last thing you should want. But even you're in her shoes going, yeah, if she can't just worship Satan now, I don't know what she's going to do, you know? Um, and so that's one of the, I think it's a, I, I can't tell you how brilliant I think that movie is, just beginning to end everything about it. Uh, but, but, and I, I don't, I mean, I certainly don't think it's a misogynistic movie at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I don't think that the point was necessarily that she had any real, opportunity for her own personal power. I do. I think it's, it was a metaphor for radicalization. Yeah, I think that's another one that got a lot of polarization. There are people, we talked to some people that thought it, the mistake was it went to, it became too literal. At the end, you know, they didn't want there to actually be a witch. They wanted it to be, you know, the crucible or something like that. Right, right. Um, whereas I, I'm, I'm with Hope, I think it, it shows how people can be led down this path to follow what we look at as an, un, you know, an unfathomable, unfathomable path to their actions of evil. Of evil. Mm-hmm. You know, what could lead them down that path? And I think this was, this movie could be a, a good metaphor for that. There are other ways to view the movie. I don't think uh, maybe any less legitimate, depending on your point of view. That's how I saw it. I've read some other very intelligent uh, breakdowns of it that I, I couldn't disagree with either. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, we both loved, loved, loved it um, on, on so many. And I'm glad that it went, that it became as literal as it did. And, uh, looking for, and it was so incredibly authentic. Uh, looking forward to what that director does next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's good to hear that, you know, other side of the, the coin and um, different perspectives on that one. Um, well, I think we're running a bit short of time. Okay. Um, 
thank you, George and Hope. Thank you. Uh, AKA Mad Wolf uh, for <laughs> coming on the podcast. And again, uh, be sure to check out Mad Wolf's um, website, uh, blog, podcasts. It was Fright Club and The Screening Room. Is that yep. right? Yep. And thank you again for coming on the podcast. Thank you thank for you having us. Thank you very us. much. That's all we have today for the BPL podcast. Have a good evening. <laughs>